G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. You can listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow and via podcast on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast and hit subscribe. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. Major podcast sponsor, NTI, nti.com.au. That's right, it's the 21st episode of On The Road and you're invited to the party. This week Mike's got his roving microphone out and he's taking it to the streets again. We take a closer look at the proposed use of drones to keep an eye on trucks with Trevor Warner and Trevor returns to have a yarn with Mike about safety ramps on something to talk about and that's coming up a bit later along with this week's On The Road news. But first it's time to get this party started so here's the amazing Rhythm Aces with I'll Be Gone. Say so, honey, I'll be gone. If you don't want me, just say so, honey, I'll be gone. 
G'day, I'm Darren. I'm listening to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. This is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Last week, Mike chatted with Kim Freeman from 50 for a Farmer about the run they were doing down south to help mend some fences and spread a little money around amongst some of those who experienced devastation from the bushfires. While they were there last weekend, Mike took time out to chat with some of the volunteers and some of the locals too. Here's what they had to say. I've got the Caring for Our Farmers hat on today down here at Kwama. We are mending fences today? Yes, we are. Tell me, what's your name? Janaya. Janaya, you've been involved with the 50 for a Farmer for a bit. Were you on the water run last year up to Coonabarabin? Yes, I was. We didn't cross paths up there. No. You kept a pretty low profile. <laughs> so what are we doing here today? We are meeting up with farmers and giving out vouchers and mending fences. And mending much. some fences. Yes. Lovely work. What's your name? Emma. Emma. What do you reckon, Emma? I reckon this is a great idea and I believe that we are doing really well for the world. So do I. Thanks yes. very much, mate. No worries. Look at them, they're scattering. <laughs> Janet, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I'm wonderful. Janet's one of the organisers of 50 for a Farmer. Mm-hmm. Mate, you guys have come a long way. You've done a hell of a lot for the community. It's been a pretty crazy ride over the last two years, doing yep. Convoy to Coonabarabran, and then we did Money for Mendoran, and now we're down here at Bega, mending fences and just helping out some farmers down here that are in need after the fires. Yep. And just there's still got a lot of fences that need rebuilding, so we're down here donating fence posts and pickets and everything just to try and help them out and just make their lives just that little bit easier. And I'm mm. proud to be standing here with you yes. making this happen today. So thanks yeah. very much. Yes, thank yeah. you. I'm here now with Veronica. She's the coordinator of the Kwama Renewal Centre. That's what we're calling it now? That's what we are now. What yeah. did it used to be? It was the Relief Centre. was the Relief Centre. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting under the oak tree and this is where the meetings used to be held and everyone was learning what was going on. Yeah, getting information from whatever government agency was announcing something or any sort of new um, financial support would be announced at four o'clock on a Friday under the oak tree. And then if there wasn't anything particular for that week, then it was a community gathering anyway where everybody would catch up and where they were up to. So you're still working on trying to get everything sorted out now after the events of the last year. It's sort of been a bit of a hectic year, hasn't it? It has, and COVID really impacted quite heavily. Put everybody way behind because people were still looking at replacing things I didn't know where they were we still had people literally coming back to their properties for the first time yeah. when COVID early shutdowns first happened people still scrambling to find ways of making life back on properties in temporary accommodation work all of our normal means of finding things quickly, op shops and things like that, were shut down. So I had to continue to operate as a relief centre, mm. scrambling around trying to find winter clothes, which I never thought I'd have to provide for the people because 
at that time we thought that our local organisations, Vinnie Salvos, they would be stepping in to take that on and we would be more looking after people. Yeah. Now I continued to get things into probably October of yeah. last year. And has it started to slow down at all now or are yeah. we still sort of going along a little bit? Well, it's slowed down on things like clothing, linen, that sort of stuff. There's still a need for tools, especially for any sort of garden supplies now. People are starting to look outwards again and wanting to replace things that were destroyed that weren't as essential mm. as clothing and shelter. Yep. So we've just moved that space. And it is more about people, yep. trying to help people to rebuild their own lives. For so long, everybody in our community was a bushfire victim and had <laughs> little or no other identity. Yep. And now what we're trying to do is develop activities, happenings, gatherings, any excuse to get people together and talking as a community around other interests again yep. so people can start to become whole yep. people that have other things happening in their lives other yep. than the bushfire that wrecked everything. Yep. Yep. So this is not the only community down here that's been affected, though, is it? It's no. pretty much right across this southeastern area, isn't it? All of the small communities around um, the major centres of Bega Valley, Shire, yeah. certainly. Yeah. So us, our neighbours in Cabago, down south, Bemboka, yeah. twice in yeah. only two years, Bemboka. The little communities like Kaya, Wamboin, they were hit by the border fire. Other places, Nethercote, also Toowoomba. Yeah. Properties around Wyndham. Wyndham itself wasn't the, the little village down there, but certainly around Wyndham. There are yeah. a lot of other communities that were devastated. Yeah. And some of our northern neighbours, places that people have never heard of, like Timpot and Narragunda. In Timpot, there's three dwellings left out of about 30. It's terrible. Well, we've just come down here to do what we can. Best thing we thought we could do, and that was just bring some money down and spread it around. So thanks for having us. Thank you for coming. Our pleasure. I've got with me also the lady from the uh, Service New South Wales who's helping coordinate all this, the lovely Lisa. She's been thrown in at the last moment and uh, she's here with the list. How are we going? Are you getting organised? Yep, we're all sorted, ready to go. We look like we've done all right. Done very well, actually, looking at the list, yeah. Yeah. The massive area there out of Bemboka. Yep. Do you think that this is a good way to help the communities just by sending some money and sending some bodies to help working out things? 100%. Yeah. It's the only way to do it. Thank you. All right, mate. Thanks very much. You keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Simon is one of the fireys down here. Yeah, fire captain of my local brigade and deputy group captain as well. So it's been a while now. It's been about 12 months since everything happened down here, hasn't it? Yep. And the place is still pretty broken, mate. Yeah, it's still pretty raw for a fair few people, I think. I think there's some people that have just really struggled to work out how to get going yep. again and how, like how to start fixing physical stuff for themselves to get into it. There's been other people that have got on with it and sort of, you know, you'd sort of never know sometimes yeah. that some people have gone all right, but I think the majority of people are still pretty affected by it. still pretty tough. I mean, even on my place, I've got patches of ground now where it obviously burnt that hot there's just still no grass burn there's just it's just grey dirt was yeah, all it is so yeah. it's hot in places that's for sure we're having a cracker of a summer it's another hot and wet summer mm. uh, what do you reckon the future holds mate there's going to be a bit of growth and stuff and i think we're going to, have to be on our game yeah it is starting to dry out a little bit down here now and there is a bit of grass has grown it's all starting to dry off and if people haven't restocked there's going to be a little bit of dead grass in paddocks sort of standing that's going to become a bit of a grass fire issue but overall the moisture we're a lot better off moisture wise than what we were last year obviously so 
even Monday is supposed to be 39 or 40 down here, but our fire danger rating is only going to high because yeah. of the conditions where yeah. last year that would have been an extreme or yeah. nudging the bracket of catastrophic probably with the wind and stuff that was about last year as well. So it's been pretty good really. So 50 for a farmer and caring for our farmers coming down here and doing what we do, do you think it makes much of a difference? It makes a massive difference. People hear about and know about you know, the Red Cross and all those other bigger organisations that sort of get a few accolades and get on the news and they do good work but it's really these grassroots organisations like 50 for a farmer and caring for our farmers that come down and actually meet with the people that are affected and actually find out the exact thing that they need or the types of things that are actually worthwhile getting hold of and they actually and I think even just the fact that people can be bothered coming down to engage with these people and talk to them makes a big difference you can be just a bit of a number sometimes where this is a bit more personal and I think people appreciate Appreciate that. Yeah, well, you can tell your mates from me personally, you people aren't a number. <laughs> you know, like I said when we did our water run, you're our brothers in the bush, mate, so yeah. we need to help. No, nah, it's massively appreciated, right. I think, yeah. Thanks for your time, mate. Right. No worries, cheers. I've got a head for radio. <laughs> so do I, mate. <laughs> There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Last week I talked about drones being used to monitor high-risk heavy vehicles. Now, the boys that I spoke to, I had several phone calls about this, and I used the word incandescent. Well, it's worse than that. I've had another couple of phone calls over the weekend. Anyway, we've decided to get Trevor Warner on and have a bit of a chat about it. Trevor's the Queensland rep from the National Road Freighters Association. And as you probably know, if you've been a regular listener to the show, Trevor's been on to have a talk about all sorts of things. Now, they've got this lovely picture here of an innocuous little drone that you might use to take a picture of the roof of your house with a camera on it. I don't think they're talking about that, are they, Trevor? G'day, Mike. No, I don't think they are, mate. I don't don't think that'll quite do the job. I think they're looking at something a bit serious. I I sort of jokingly said I was thinking they might be going to strap some mavericks on there and blow up the bad boys. (laughs) Certainly sounds a bit that way, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, the way some of these trucks are running these days, I reckon heat-seeker missiles would work as well. I mean, I'm laughing about this, but it is laughable to me. In this tender that they posted last week, the NHBR have called for bids from suppliers who can provide target or reconnaissance drones and other automatic number plate recognition systems, camera technology, to facilitate the monitoring and interception of high-risk heavy vehicles and operators and journeys. They've got safety cams all over the place. They know where we are. I mean, do they really need this, do you think? Well, it's interesting... When you travel from Melbourne through to Cairns, there's cameras all the way. 
when I load out of Mariba, they can track me all the way through to Melbourne so they know exactly the time and the distance between all these cameras. They can work it out. If they really wanted me, they'd just be sitting down at the Victorian border just waiting for me to trigger Gerildery camera or the Wallen camera and wheel me into beverage. Yeah. Just drive straight into their trap. Yeah. It just seems to me that this is overkill. I cannot understand the reason for this. It seems to me like this is someone that wants a toy. The amount of money that these things are going to cost, the amount of money that they're going to cost to run, coupled with all the information they already get. They do a hell of a lot of checks on you when you go through the camera at Maroolan. And, you know, it just seems to me that some people are just overreaching a little bit with this. I think so. If you read the actual tender... 50% of the tender is for information technology broadcasting and telecommunications, so which I'm assuming (laughs) that almost sounds like there's going to be a a live special ops team tracking these cameras. 30% of the funding is for camera technology, which is part of the trial of the going on trailer. So that'll be like the the mobile speed camera trailers. And then you've got the 20% of the funding is for using drones to gather the intelligence. Yeah. Interestingly, the tender is calling for areas to be covered from far north Queensland out to Mount Isa and all the way down to the southeast corner. And then right at the bottom, it's got interstate. But in the article, it did say that they're going to run their trials down in the southern states. Yeah, it says here the initial trial included two trailer-mounted cameras, two vehicle-mounted cameras and one drone used across the NHBR's southern operations region including the ACT, South Australia, Tasmania and Victoria. And that's been said by one of their spokesmen. This is not a fantasy. This is what they're planning on doing. Why is it released through Q-Tender, though? Do you know anything about that? I don't, but NHVR being a Queensland-based operation, if they're calling for any service providers, because I'm sure this technology will be sitting in someone's warehouse just waiting to be deployed, they would have called it through the Queensland government to provide services to the NHVR. Mm. So I can understand that. But what I just don't understand is to the extent that they're going, giving the network of camera technology that's already up and running and has been for many years. To me, this story asks a hell of a lot more questions than it answers, and we're really going to have to look further into it. I, for one, find it a little bit disturbing that the NHVR want to take this track And, you know, they say their smarter camera technology will also assist in identifying operators who are doing the right thing, and then they can expect to be less regularly intercepted by the NHVR. So much for the random check, mate. Well, that's right. You know, I've been told by TMR up here in Queensland that the company I work for has got a pretty good reputation and they don't worry about us too much. As soon as they see this, they know who we are and they know that they're basically wasting their time because we're fairly compliant as it is. Yep. But that's through random checks and, and not coming up with any breaches at all. But this is really perplexing why they're calling private surveillance teams. You know, they're going to be issuing fines. So it's something that a fellow driver is now doing a law degree, he's, I was only talking to him today, and he's had a bit of a win in New South Wales this week, and it came down to the Evidence Act. Did the evidence tendered by RMS comply with the Evidence Act? And that was very dubious, and RMS didn't want to roll the dice in court, so they yanked the offence, withdrew the offence. Right. So that raises another question. If they do get this evidence, is it admissible in court? Hmm. Well, I don't know, mate. It just seems to me that these fellows are just going way, way, way too far and certainly further than I would expect them to go, especially as we've already said several times. They've got all the cameras. They've got these weigh bridges all over the place. 
the amount of intelligence that they already gather gives them the information on who's misbehaving and who's not. And I, like you, have been told, you know, oh, we don't worry too much about the company that you work for, mate. We know you guys do it pretty right. So they already know that about us. I don't understand the need for these cameras, and we're going to have to follow it up a little bit more, mate. Mm. We're going to have to get some answers. To say that I'm unhappy with this development is probably an understatement. Well, there's a lot of drivers asking questions, and I've had two phone calls during the week of drivers that have actually called the NHVR confidential hotline. Yeah. And they've told NHVR that, hey, look, my boss is getting me to load out of Eastern Creek and be in Adelaide the following morning Mm. because Mr. Google said it's only a 13-hour and 40-minute drive. (laughs) They've got this intelligence. Now, you and I both know that you can't do that. You can't do it, no. If you get to Renmark, you've done extremely well. If they've already got these reports on file, it can be easily tracked down through the camera systems. So if these companies aren't being investigated now, Mm. what's the use of more intelligence? They've they've got plenty that they're not acting on. Yeah. I think a lot of the resources that we do have at the moment are seemingly underutilised. How's that? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, thanks for coming on the show and having a bit of a chat with me about that and putting your point of view on it. I think we're just going to have to say stay tuned and we're just going to try and find out a little bit more about this. We live in interesting times, mate. Well, we do. We do live in interesting times. Thanks, Trev. No worries, Mike. Talk to you later. Hey, everyone. This is Jane Denham, and you're listening to Mike and Andy on the road. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com. Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. 21 episodes old this week, Mike. We've come of age, mate. Yeah, if I had a party popper thing, I'd pop it. And if I had one of those little buddy whistle things, I'd blow it. But I don't, mate. So you're just going to have to have me go, Wee! beauty. <laughs> so you're one of those really annoying people at parties that do that sort of stuff, eh? Oh, mate. <laughs> I do whatever I can to annoy people all the time. It's just the way I roll. Yeah. <laughs> And don't change, mate. Don't ever change. No, I won't. I promise. Now, mate, the ACCC has issued a recall on over 3,000 Freightliner trucks due to a potential fuel leak issue. Yeah, mate, and it looks like the similar story to what Western Star had soon as how it's a D-Deck 15, mate. Yeah. So here we go. All we can say is get onto the Big Rigs webpage and get all the contact details there, mate. But if you've got a D-Deck 15, you really need to see if the fuel's leaking. Yeah. That's the nub of it. But, you know, Triple C have taken the step and fuel may leak from the engines on the high-pressure fuel well feeds. So there you go. Check it out. Not something you can ignore. No, not really. But if you've got a Detroit, 
manufactured between 2010 and 2020, you really do need to check those high-pressure fuel rails and get the recall dealt with if you need to. Yeah, get it looked at. Yep. Made in the 2021 Australia Day Honours list, Ron Crouch, the founder of Ron Crouch Transport, has been recognised with an Order of Australia Medal for service to the road transport industry. Dear old Ron, he's been around forever. He's one of those people in the industry I know who his name is and I've seen him, but I've never actually walked up and said good day to him. Mm. Him and his wife Beverly have been around since 1978 and they've grown over the years. Everyone knows their silver trucks running up and down the highway. Ron's done a lot of work with Inside the Industry, and I think his award is well-deserved. Congratulations, Ron. Absolutely. And if you do get a chance to say good day to him one day, you might have to say it really respectfully. <laughs> oh, look, I'd sneak up to him and say, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds respectful to me. It does. Late last year, Mike, we reported on an alleged robbery, assault and shooting of a truck driver at Lithgow Way. There's an update to that incident. There is, mate. The New South Wales Police Department have arrested a fifth man. Like I said at the time, there's a hell of a lot more to this story than meets the eye. Mm. We still don't know all the details, but the group stole some items from the driver, including a large quantity of cash, Mm. and they were seen fleeing the area. Well, anyway, the police had a bit of a chase around, and they caught up with this fifth fella, a 23-year-old bloke around the Rose Meadow area in Campbelltown. And they've got him there in the, or had him there in the Campbelltown police station. He's been refused bail and he'll be appearing in the Parramatta court. I'd love to know what's going on there. There's got to be a story there somewhere. Yeah. So did I hear you right? That's the fifth person? That's the fifth person, yeah. Good guy. For five people to be involved in this and therefore to be a large quantity of cash involved, we can all speculate about what that might involve. Yeah. We might well be wrong. I don't know but I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't some other criminal activity involved. Yeah, you kind of think there might be. Oh, mate, it just stands to reason. It does. Now, the Australian Trucking Association, the ATA, has appointed a new CEO. Did they give the gig to you and you've forgotten to tell me about it? <laughs> no, mate, I'm not convinced the ATA like me much, you know. Oh, really? Look, I, I don't know. I've tried to be nice to them. I haven't bagged them or anything like that. What's not to like about you? I've even said nice things about their projects. I don't know. I'm just pulling out my list at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, just joke it. The ATO are good people. I know some people on the council there, and there are some positions that are going to be up for election there shortly. I know because a friend of mine holds one of the uh, positions that are going to be up to be re-elected. So... If you're an owner-driver or a small fleet operator, then you should get up there and put your hand up if you want to have something to say. But the ATA have appointed Andrew McKellar as new CEO, been overseas, comes back to Australia, will be taking the reins in mid-February. I wish him well in the job because it's a complicated job. The ATA get a lot of flack from some people and some of it's deserved and some of it's not, but they can't make everyone happy. Mm. They put a good bloke, well-qualified bloke in the job. Let's see what happens. Absolutely. Mate, there seems to be a lot of CEO movement this week and in another CEO appointment news, our good friends at Healthy Heads in Trucks and Sheds, indeed good friends of our good friends NTI as well, they've appointed a new CEO too. Healthy Heads in Trucks and Sheds, who you had that great conversation with uh, with Lachlan there not long ago, mm. they've appointed Naomi, and I hope I get a name right, Froenfelder, as the Foundation's inaugural Chief Executive Officer. Healthy Edge and Trucks and Sheds is one of those things that really does have a lot of ground to cover. 
some of those numbers that you were talking about when you did the story were quite surprising to me, the number of people that have difficulty. Yeah. And this is one of those unrecognised issues, particularly with long-distance drivers, particularly because we're alone, particularly because we've got plenty of time to think about things and chew them over from every possible angle and sometimes get it right, but usually get it wrong. Mm-hmm. It's important that we do have good people running this stuff. And she seems to me like she's going to be a real asset to Healthy Heads and Trucks and Sheds. And I look forward to us having a bit of a chat with her down the track. I think we'll get the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Would be a good thing to see what she wants to bring to the table. It certainly would. And I recall from that interview just how incredible the work is they're doing at Healthy Heads in Trucks and Sheds. Mm. I'd recommend to anyone, if you haven't already done so after listening to that past episode, just look them up and see what they're doing and get involved perhaps. It's a great organisation. Well, Lachlan Benson's going to stay with the organisation until April at least. Mm -hmm. There are industry-wide initiatives underway. Got any sort of issues, any questions or concerns, or just want to know what's going on, have a look and find out. You never know, you might be pleasantly surprised and find something that can help you or help someone you care about. Spot on. EWDs in the news feed again, Mike. They are. Got more to share with us. There's a bloke now that's got on the other side of the issue. Now, as I've said several times, I'm not opposed to the electronic work diary, but I do think that there are a number of issues with it. And this bloke, Dan Thomas, has identified a few. He wanted some questions, and they're all the same old questions. What happens if this happens? What happens if I run out of time and I'm there and all that sort of thing? Apparently, he's just basically thought that it's easier to chuck the job in and go and do something else where there's no EWD. He reckons you can't take your break any time you want and you can't do a number of things and it's all there. I don't want to bag him too much because I understand why he feels the way he feels. There is a real lack of education when these things are being rolled out, and that's one of the reasons why I took that job on, to try and educate people. Mm. And unfortunately, what's happened now is his employer has lost an experienced operator because he didn't educate him properly. And it's one of those things that happens within our industry a lot. They'll make a change. You know, in my last article where I said, you know, what do you do to annoy a driver? Will you change something? Yep. This is a clear-cut example of that, and it's cost him a driver, and that's unfortunate when all of the questions that he asked could easily have been answered satisfactorily. Yeah. More to see. It's going to keep happening. EWDs are going to happen. People have to accept that. We just have to work out how to work with it. Yeah. There is one other thing that I just wanted to briefly touch on, if I may. Go for it. Truckies will have to bypass the Tigara rest area, 36 k's north of Ballina for most of next week because they're doing maintenance work and all that there. So if you've got to go up the Pacific Highway and you're heading towards Brisbane, it's one of those places it's popular to stop. Just have a bit of a think about where you're going to stop and factor in that that won't be available for you next week. Mm, fair enough. It is a nice place to stop. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I know so I've slept in that one a couple of times. It's not bad. Were you supposed to be sleeping at the time? Uh, well, your truck was stopped, mate, so that's a good start. Good. Yes, excellent. Good. <laughs> All right, cheers, mate. Have a great week. And in the words of the late, great Richie Benno, we'll see you next week for episode two, two. <laughs> so what will I wear? Will I wear the bone, the white, the off-white, beige? What? And the wig. <laughs> <laughs> you always look good in a wig, mate. Oh, I love your work. See you, brother. On you, mate. I'll catch you later. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Hey everyone, Kermie here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which of course I mean the left. 
I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcasts with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs, and what's generally going on out there in truckland. Uh, what's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Hmm. Okay then, so, those of you who are already on here, go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers, and take care of you. Just how safe are the so-called safety ramps we see out there on some of those long, steep descents? In something to talk about this week, Trevor Warner is back with Mike to discuss the ups and downs of it all. I've been asked to write a story about safety ramps. You know, the runoff ramps we see from time to time all over the place. Well, the story that I want to write about it is how some of these ones do get used from time to time. We know the ones that seem as though they get used. It's that one going down the hill into Adelaide. It's the one at the bottom of the hill at Mount Oosley. And there may be some others that get regular visitors. But the thing that concerns me, and the reason why this story came to be, I think, is that there are a number of these things that are just terrible. I think they're more of a death trap than a safety ramp if you look at them. They're not well made, they're not wide enough, they're never dressed or tidied up, they're not lit. You'd need to be a driver of exceptional skill to get into one of these things without having a really big mess up. What do you think about all that? How ironic you asked me this question, Mike. I was only looking at the one today, halfway down the Cunningham's Gap before the helipad. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, you've got all this going on, trying to beat the potential fatal accident. And you've almost got to be a sniper to aim your truck to get up the ramp. they got concrete barriers that close. Yeah, I was just thinking, well, you've got so many parameters you've got to process and six inches either side and you're likely to launch it over the side or, or end up with a concrete barrier through the centre of your chest. Wow. What made me start about this, I had a bit of a trip down to New England a few weeks ago and there's those runoff ramps on Bolivia there, the ones that go down through the Moombies yep. on the wrong side of the road for a start. I mean, that's one issue. You've got no choice about some of that, I know, but... Very, very narrow. Some of them have got very sharp bends in them. The thing that concerns me about it is these things are supposed to be kitty litter. They're supposed to be soft. You're supposed to run into these things and the truck is supposed to wash off the speed and bury itself in it to its neck, basically, and bring itself to a standstill that way. But even if that happens, just say for the hell of it you were lucky enough to get into one of these runoff bays, there's no room for emergency services to get any access in there. There's no room for recovery vehicles. Having looked at some of those safety ramps, I'd be more inclined to rub it up against the bank if I had to rather than try and drive it into one of those things. The ones on Moonby, by the time you got to where they are, you'd have that much speed. If you mucked it up, you'd be off the side of it and down the bank and over the cliff, I reckon. Absolutely, Mike. When I first started driving semi-trailers, I remember the boss saying to me, there's a few rules that he lived by. One was if you put a can of Coke on the dash and it slides going around a corner, you're going too fast. Yeah. B, if all else fails, pull the yellow button, pull your air brakes. Yep. And if that doesn't work into the side of the bank, you're better off laying the truck on its side against the cutting rather than trying to recover it at the bottom of a ravine. Yeah, that's right. So I'd agree with your assessment there. 
The other thing I was taught, I don't know about some of these young blokes, but I was taught you go down the hill and the gear you go up it in. Oh, absolutely, yeah. If you're in fourth gear going up it, then you're in fourth gear on the jake going down it. Now, that's what I was taught anyway. I don't know what anyone else has taught. Same here, mate. My last trip to Perth had a, an aerodyne and I was having electrical engine harness problems and I actually lost me jakes halfway down Greenmount. Oh, awesome. When you got 65 tonne and I was just a, a smidgen under 65 tonne because Sejuna Weybridge weighed me. It's just amazing how quickly you pick up speed. Luckily, the boss kept the truck in good nick and I had good brakes. But I ended up back in first gear bottom box to hold that truck to stop the engine over revving and, and overheating the brakes. I didn't get taught that in truck driving school. Well, this is what worries me. These guys, they drive these automatics. Look, automatics are a beautiful thing, but the times I've driven an automatic, I drive it with the background of knowledge that I've got from driving a manual truck and knowing what I need to do and knowing that I need to be in manual when I go over the hill here and I knowing that I need to have the engine brake on and lock it into a gear and pick what gear I need to be in and all that sort of stuff. But if you're a new bloke and you've got the automatic Volvo or the automatic Mercedes or MAN or Kenworth, whatever it is that you've got, you're not being taught that and you're probably not even aware. You don't even know what you don't know. You, you know what I mean? I certainly know what you mean, mate. I saw, you know, those trucks with getting up and down the highway. <laughs> <laughs> I saw two of them one night go down the gap. They were obviously light, but they passed me in the overtaking lane. Mm. I always come up heavy out of down south, so I was down in about fifth, sixth gear, yeah. not touching me brakes. And I, I watched the brake lights all the way from the top to the bottom of the gap. Yeah. And I just shook my head and I thought, wow, really? Yeah. And you get that Vegemite smell, mate. <laughs> That's the one. It just worries me, you know. So I'm going to write a bit of a story about it. And I'm going to talk to some of the boys at the RMS about it. Some of these things, I wonder about the placement of them. I want to find out why they get placed, where they get placed. I don't even know if there's a standard. I'm going to have to find out a little bit more about this. I've seen that one at Mount Oosley get used several times over the last few years. And even that one, even though it's pretty good and it gets pretty regular use, it doesn't get dressed and tidied up after each one and made ready for the next incident because there's always going to be one. It will happen. When you least expect it, yeah, that's it. Mm. The one at the Gap, there's that much weed and everything growing through it. Mm. And with the rain that we've had, it wouldn't be surprising if that kitty litter is actually packed down a little bit. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't slow you down much at all. Not really fit for purpose, is it? No, mm. I don't think so. I oh, know. Well, leave it with me, mate. I'm going to find some answers. That'll be interesting to hear what they've got to say. Yeah, I don't know where to start, but I'm going to start somewhere. If anyone's listening can tell me where to start, please give me a ring. I'd love to hear it. Take care of yourself, mate. Keep it upright and don't use a sand trap. You too. <laughs> you too. Have fun. <laughs> To take us out for this week's show, here's the amazing Rhythm Aces again with The End Is Not In Sight. Yes, I knew it all along I'd have to come back home Cause it's living on the road only made me tired and so Like a bird without a nest Like a stranger in the night And my soul cries out for rest And the end is not in sight 
like sweet magnolia wine Honey dripping from your mouth And that sweet little gal of mine She's the finest in the south Now the days are getting longer Nights are getting colder I just want to come back home Lay my head down Well, that brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. For all your transport insurance needs, visit the website at nti.com.au. For more On The Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode On The Road. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.